You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Jesus made clear that for him to be Savior and Lord of a person's life, to be a disciple of Jesus means you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. But for the Greek mentality, (laughs) that makes no sense. Some people aren't willing to say no to self and surrender their life to Jesus. No matter how much witness there is to him being the Savior, of the world. Have you ever thought to yourself that if one of your friends or loved ones could see a miracle, it would be enough to convince them to accept Jesus? Be careful. As believers in Christ, we would do well to remember that those who saw Jesus perform countless miracles still rejected him. As Pastor Danny will teach you in his message today, the biggest obstacle that many face is the denial of self. In his study, you'll be reminded that no matter how many miracles one sees, denying the flesh is where many fall short. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of John, chapter 12, as he begins his message, The Triumphal Entry. Grab your Bibles, go to John chapter 12, and go down to verse 12. The next day, the crowd that had come for the feast uh, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, after the cross and the resurrection, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. It is called, and I have the heading in my Bible, the triumphal entry. What they did to Jesus on this particular trip into Jerusalem just prior to the cross was like rolling out the red carpet for someone. It was a time of celebration, of victory, and his riding on a colt into Jerusalem, in this triumphal entry, was a specific fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. You might want to write it down. I'm going to turn to it and read for us Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Rejoice greatly, 
O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So many prophecies related to Jesus and what happens right here. His triumphal entry. When you compare gospel accounts, you go from John's gospel over to Luke's gospel just for a minute. Luke chapter 19 and verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miraculous things they had seen or all the miracles they had seen. The first one in John's gospel, John chapter 2, Jesus turned water to wine. John chapter 4, he heals a royal official's son. He heals an invalid who had been an invalid for 38 years. Twice, he multiplies just a little bit of bread and some fish, and he feeds thousands of people. In John chapter 6, he walks on water while the disciples are in the boat in a storm. They're fearful. They think he's a ghost. He says, it's me. Don't be afraid. They take him in the boat. When he gets in the boat, the boat immediately reaches the shore. In John chapter 9, he heals a man who was born blind. And then don't forget, just before John chapter 12, In John chapter 11, he raises a man named Lazarus from the dead. And that's not all the miracles. You compare the gospel accounts, and there's one miracle after another, after another, after another. So in this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Luke tells us that lots of disciples were shouting, praising God, because of all the miracles. Matthew's gospel, when he mentions something that's been fulfilled, like a miracle or something specific like Jesus riding on the donkey, Zechariah 9.9, Matthew mentions for us specifically in order that it might be fulfilled. In order that it might be fulfilled. Again, And again and again. What's the point? Sign after sign after sign after sign. Clear signs as to who Jesus is and why he's come and what he offers to the world. This triumphal entry was his only public statement, if you will, and a parade. It's the climax to his earthly ministry just prior to the cross. For three years, 
He's done miracles for three years. Specific prophecies have been fulfilled. And anyone, anyone that, that, that's honest enough and paying any attention at all cannot deny who Jesus is and why he's come. Despite all the miracles, despite all the fulfilling prophecies, so many people would not accept him, would not receive him for who he is, the Savior of the world. And I have to ask myself, why is that? Why, despite numerous clear signs and numerous undeniable miracles, even raising people from the dead. Why would some people not receive him as Lord and Savior? Well, in our text, there are four reasons. John chapter 12, go down to verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. And the request from these Greeks for an interview for some time with Jesus Verse 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it or eternal life. You wouldn't see the connection on the surface to those words and the request by these Greeks to see Jesus. But if you compare Scripture with Scripture, it's certainly there. Leave the text just for a minute. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And when you find 1 Corinthians chapter 1, go down to verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Now, catch this. Jews demand miraculous signs. Pause. You read the gospel accounts, and you'll find that 
despite the repeated miracles, the Jews kept asking for a miraculous sign. Even right after they had seen one, they asked for another one. Jews demand miraculous signs. And listen, Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The Greeks come, they want to see Jesus. His response, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus said clearly in his public teaching, which these Greeks would have known, they would have known about his teaching. They certainly knew about his miracles. And Jesus made clear that for him to be Savior and Lord of a person's life, to be a disciple of Jesus means you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. But for the Greek mentality, (laughs) that makes no sense. Some people aren't willing to say no to self and surrender their life to Jesus. No matter how much witness there is to him being the Savior of the world. Paul the Apostle writes in the book of Philippians, and he says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their mind is on earthly things. Anybody seeking wisdom apart from the cross, you'll never find it. Smartest thing you could do wisest thing you could ever do in your life is to say no to yourself, repent, and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior because that's who he is. But he only becomes your Lord and Savior when you turn from yourself and surrender your life to him. The wisdom of the cross But there's a second thing, John's Gospel, chapter 12. And if you go all the way down to verse 42, listen to what it says. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for, here it is, fear, fear, that they would be put out of the synagogue. Now, I'm going to be real technical here, technical and biblical. Here's some people who believed inwardly but never confessed outwardly. And why did they not confess outwardly? For fear. They were afraid. What were they afraid of? doesn't matter. What are you afraid of? Doesn't matter. Just fill in the blank. Fear, fear kept them from publicly confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Pause here. Keep a marker in John's gospel. Go with me to Romans 
chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Being technical, but what it says is you can't have just one and not the other. You can't just believe and not confess. You can't be a Christian incognito. Some, because of fear, would not go public. They would not confess Christ, even though they knew who he was, even though they believed the signs, they believed the scriptures, but they never confessed. They never, they never were saved. Some seek wisdom apart from the cross. Doesn't make sense for me to deny myself. <laughs> no. Makes perfect sense from heaven's perspective. Some because of fear. Some might believe, but they never confess. And the two have to go together. But there's a third, and this third one can be mixed with fear, but I've made it separate because it also should be separate. You go back to John's Gospel, chapter 12, and now you go down to verse 43. Let me connect the two. Verse 42, yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Leave the text again. Go to the right, John's Gospel, chapter 18. Jesus stood before Pilate, the governor, and God gave undeniable witness to Pilate as to who Jesus was. John chapter 18, you go down to verse 33. Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? Ultimately, you're going to have to decide for yourself. Verse 35, Pilate said, am I a Jew? It was your people and your chief priest who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to present, prevent my arrest by the Jews. But my kingdom is from another place. You're a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And if you read the whole story, Pilate is convicted about the truth regarding Jesus. But then the crowd 
begins to chant, crucify him. Pilate, thinking it can appease the crowd, has Jesus flogged, beaten, and then brings him back out in front of this angry crowd. But instead of the crowd being appeased, they shouted again, crucify him. Chapter 19, verse 7. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. And that gets Pilate's attention even more. When Pilate heard this, verse 8, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Because there's undeniable witness. He would go on to say to Pilate, when Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power to crucify you or to set you free? And Jesus said, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from heaven. Matthew's gospel tells us that while Jesus is standing before Pilate, he gets a message from his wife. And God gives Pilate's wife a dream about Jesus, another witness for Pilate's conscience. But when you read the story, Matthew tells us that Pilate, when he sees he's getting nowhere and the crowd continues to say, crucify him, and then they say to Pilate, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. And because of the pressure of the crowd, Pilate, not only fearful, but Pilate, loving the praise of men more than that of God. And he makes one last-ditch effort to absolve himself over the responsibility. He has a servant bring a basin of water. He takes his hands and he washes his hands in the water and he says, I am innocent of this man's blood. May his blood be on your heads. And the people say, okay, may his blood be on our heads. Pilate, in a sense, pleads the fifth. I'm not against him. Yeah, but you're not for him. And Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. And Pilate, because... He loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Will not acknowledge Jesus for who he is, the Savior of the world. So, you can try to seek wisdom apart from the cross, but there is none. You have to deny yourself, surrender your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Don't let fear keep you from doing it. Don't let peer pressure or praise from men over praise from God keep you from doing it. And there's one final one. Back in John's Gospel, chapter 12. And to me, this one's the scariest. The fourth reason why some people will not receive Jesus Christ as Lord. 
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today to study the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. These books are the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. He came to save each person from sin. He offered himself as a sacrifice, taking the punishment your sins deserve. Today, you can have a new life because of Jesus. Are you ready to make that decision and give him your sins and accept his grace? If so, we're so happy for you, and we'd love to talk to you more about it. Please let us know by emailing us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. We also want to encourage you to find a church home. Right now, we know that that's difficult, but we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship for our online services. At ccfstpete.church, we live stream every Saturday at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 9 and 11, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Join Pastor Danny to learn more from the Bible and to spend time with us worshiping our Savior. You can also explore more teachings from this series and others at our website. One more time, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Know that we're praying for you. And we hope you'll join us again next time to continue studying the Gospels right here on The Living Word.